We need our answers. We need them now. Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4, houring up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to House Party Protocol. Power up suits and welcome into another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will, and with me today, coming at you from all the way across the pond for us, for me, but maybe all the way across town for you if you're listening, is maybe all the way across the land that is Europe. I don't know. Wherever you guys are listening to this, I'm here with the one and only Aaron from Web Warriors Protocol. What's up, my guy? How you doing? I'm all right. <laughs> good, good. And... The lovely John Harris. What's happening, my man? Hi, mate. How you doing? Chilling, chilling. So, before we started this episode today, we were just chit-chatting a little bit, and John, you were saying that you were using a chainsaw and stuff, and I've got to say, that is probably the most intimidating piece of equipment that I've ever like. I, I've never used one because I'm too scared to use it. Now, I don't know if that makes me less of a man or not. I don't care. But how was that experience for you? Was it amazing and excellent? Uh, yeah, like, like I said a minute ago, this time it was amazing and it was excellent. And it was great to just kind of like take a tree down, cut through it, have a bit of fun. The first time I handled the chainsaw, I felt like a small child trying to fight a lion. It wasn't. <laughs> it, literally, I picked it up thinking I'm going to be okay with this. Turned it on and went, I don't like it. Get it away from me. Just the, the potential for damage just overrid all sense of safety, I think. But, you know. I got there in the end. This you time it was fun. It, it worked. Yeah, I feel you on that. And so let me ask, did you do one of those moves? Like, I don't know. I feel like you've just got to do this whenever you, like even just holding a chainsaw not turned on, I do this, where you take it and you hold it with the blade kind of upright and then you rev it a little bit like, you know what I mean? And you and you kind of like, you know, you bend your knees and you're like maybe a little thrusting is happening. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you know, that's, you know the move I'm talking about. Yeah, you, you do one of those. I did not. I went full Leatherface though, so I did hold it above my head <laughs> and start just randomly screaming and charging up the garden. I mean, I'd like to add that it was turned off at this point just for safety reasons. I was um, gonna but, ask, <laughs> but there was definitely no thrusting. <laughs> I was too terrified of injury to thrust. Okay, res- I respect that. I respect that. And and one more little anecdote before before we get into the meat of today's show. I don't know if you've ever seen it. There's this movie. It's a Nicolas Cage movie, so that should at least tell you a little bit about what I'm about to talk about here. So, it's a Nicolas Cage movie called Mandy. It is weird, wild, like it it is it is one of the weirdest movies I've ever I've ever watched. So, just if you ever watch this movie, be prepared. It's super weird. I like that kind of thing. It's it's bonkers. Just watch the preview for the movie and then you'll know whether or not it's for you. Just it's it's super weird. Anyways, there's a scene in that movie where Nicolas Cage has a chainsaw and he's like running up to go fight this guy with a chainsaw, right? And this dude like comes out from behind something with his own chainsaw that is so absurdly long. 
and then they have yeah. a chainsaw battle and it's the best uh, i watched that during the first lockdown we went my, me and my wife went on like a B-movie marathon and we watched about two weeks of just Nicolas Cage movies post probably 2010 because they all seem like B-movies. That's amazing. And Mandy was in that and it is one of the most bizarre movies that somebody's paid a fortune for <laughs> that looks like it was shot by students I think I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, but I just, I, it's so ridiculous, which is why I like it so much. Like it's the yeah. most ridiculous, but that scene when he's got his chainsaw and he's, and then the other guy just pulls out that stupid long chainsaw and it's just, <laughs> just it's about 12 feet long. It's the way he lifts yeah. it and you're like, it's going to fall backwards. And there's no balance. Right. But like yeah. he just keeps walking out with this massive chainsaw. Like what is going on? I love it. And like, you know, that's just Nick Cage, man. It's just Nick Cage. It is. If it's Nick Cage, it's mental. And if it's not, why is he even in it? Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. Uh, that 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 being said, we're not here to talk about crazy Nick Cage stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we are here to discuss Marvel Crisis Protocol, and we've had kind of a big reveal this week, fellas. And that would be Nick Fury and his Shield agents. So, I really want to break down these characters a little bit, and and talk about kind of what we could expect to see on the tabletop. Last week on the podcast, we talked about the panel to play that AMG released, talking about what grunts are going to do and how they're going to function, more or less. And now we actually see what a grunt character's stat card looks like and how they're going to come into the game and stuff like that. Now, with that, though, we still have a lot of unanswered questions, I think, about how these characters are going to work. But before we dive into Nick Fury and his S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, Aaron, I'd like to get your take on kind of just overall, what do you think about this grunts thing and this kind of mechanic? So overall, initially I wasn't a huge fan of the idea of grunts just because, you know, there are some very glaring uh, possible issues that could arise when you introduce them to the game. Seeing how AMG are handling it, though, and sort of the article on the release of Grunts, I'm, I'm sort of warming to the idea. I don't see myself ever taking them in my own roster, um, purely because I'm not a fan of them. But they the seem to be doing okay. The, the the Grunt that we've got, we've only actually seen one Grunt card, uh, Grunt stat card at the minute, and I am in two minds about it. But overall, I'm warming to the idea, and it seems they are handling it well. I mean, AMG have done everything else well so far, so I'm going to trust that they'll handle this well and be able to introduce it in a way that works yeah absolutely i'm with you there in amg i trust pretty much you know all the way here but john what about you how do you feel about the idea of grunts and and how they're starting to appear in the game uh when the game launched and we obviously got the core box and then we had a few expansions and then people started talking about the potential for like grunts like aim agents and you know ultron drones and stuff like that i was adamantly against it I wanted to play my huge superhero versus superhero showdown in the middle of the table. I didn't want to see like my team of five versus Modoc and seven aim agents just for activation numbers. I didn't really want it to turn into kind of like a similar feat to Batman the Miniatures game. Mm -hmm. However, having said that, having seen what we have so far, I mean, we still haven't seen the full rulebook text on how they work and kind of like the ins and outs of it. 
I'm a little less negative on it and a little less like, well, actually, it's going to potentially ruin the experience or it could potentially break a game with activation habits and stuff. Um, I'm going to hold out until I make a firm decision until we do see that rulebook text. But this week's reveal has kind of like alleviated a few concerns that I had, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of where I am too. Like, I I'm pretty much was with you where originally I was like, no way, <laughs> but, yeah. but I, you know, I've, I've warmed to it. And then to your point that the rule book text that we have not seen is going to be critical. And let me get you guys' take on this. I don't think we're going to see that until these characters release. Like, I don't think we're going to see full rules text until, until they are available somewhere in the world. Would you agree with that, John? Yeah, I think that's how it's going to work. I think it's going to happen on the day of release. They'll drop an errata like they do with kind of like affiliation cards. And I think that's the time we'll get a full glance on rules. Um, I mean, they may swerve us on this and we may get an actual live stream of a game where they pop up some of the rules text. But I don't see that happening. I do think it is going to be, here's a day of release. Here's your errata document. Go and read it. Well, it's interesting that you say there's not going to be a live stream because there was supposed to be a live stream where they're going to be playing Fury and the agents, but it got pushed back because of COVID. So, yeah, unfortunately. So maybe we do get a little bit of a, a reveal there, but I'm excited to see when these guys are going to come out because I think that this is all very interesting and I don't know how much it's going to shake up the the state of the game per se, but I, I'm excited to see it. And when they posted Nick Fury and the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents' information on their website, dude comes with 10 tactics cards. 10 of them. That's nuts. Like, that's just crazy. So, like, I'm really excited to see kind of more stuff here. And while we're going to do this character breakdown today, I I do want to encourage people to come back for another visit to the show here because we're going to have to break down all this stuff once it's once all the information's out there, we're going to have to have another discussion about it. So, without further ado, gentlemen, what do you say we dive right in on this character? Let's get it done. Let's do it. All right. So, first things first, like we always do here, we got to talk about the models. And I know I talked a little bit about them last week, but I think it's fair to revisit them. So, I really like the Nick Fury model. I think it's pretty great. Uh, his pistol looks insane, but I I think it's a cool model. Looks very commanding and. I like that we have a hero character that's doing a little pointing. Yeah, I like the Nick Fury model. I think the pointing's good. I think it works because he comes with his grunts. I think it makes sense for him to be pointing at a spot on the board or an objective or a secure or something he wants him to go to. Um, exactly. It's the MCU Fury that everybody has come to know and love or the Nick Fury Jr. from certain comic book storylines that people have come to love. I really like it. Yeah, I love it. Aaron, what do you think? Yeah, so the Nick Fury model, I am a big fan of it. I think it looks absolutely wicked. Um, as John mentioned in the comics, you know, he's the traditional Nick Fury as such, but he is the one that most people know and most people will recognise. I think it is good that they've done him rather than doing the original Nick Fury. Agree. I think it's interesting because a few people thought what we'd get is bits to build him as either version. So now what we might get is eventually a Nick Fury senior down the line, which would be really interesting to see. Um, so, yeah, I'm a big fan of the model, to be honest. Awesome. And let's get your thoughts on the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents real quick. I think two 
two of the three shield agents looked perfectly fine and they looked perfectly serviceable. So let me guess. The 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 one in front and the rope guy. That rope guy is my favorite of the lot. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that that's the one I have a bit of a and I understand what they've tried to do and when you saw it with the Quinjet, it looked amazing. It looked good. It looked like they potentially roped out the Quinjet. The Quinjet was a little low for them to rope out of maybe, but I understand what they were trying for. I think generally seen him with that rope, a really thick kind of rope you'd never use to come out of a helicopter anyway. Exactly. On a, ba- on a battlefield with no Quinjet, I don't know. I, th- I I think they've missed the mark with that one shield agent, to be honest. And that's not something I say very often. I think Taskmaster was probably the last time I said I think they missed the mark with the sculpt. Right. But I'm not a big fan. Well, Aaron, what about you? Um, so basically... I'm going to have to hard agree with John. The guy <laughs> with the rope, I just do not like it. It just doesn't look right. Um, I'm not sure how serviceable it would be to sort of get rid of the rope. I've seen lots of funny edits um, of, you know, him with a balloon and lots of different things like that. Like painting blue, giving an umbrella, he's Yondu. Yeah, I saw a couple of these uh, doing his Yondu with the umbrella. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know. I don't like the rope. I also don't like the way the other two are sort of standing on tactical ropes because they, it, it, at a glance it does look like something else. Um, <laughs> you could say poop. So, it looks a little like poop. <laughs> it looks like poop a little bit. Little, little, little dookie piles just hanging out. Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> it, it looks good. The rope is my only gripe with it, and I think a lot of people have that issue as well. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. I see what you're going for. And and I respect the effort. I just think it misses the mark. Just a scotch. But again, you know, we're we're pushing little plastic people around the the thing. And the idea, I think, is that it's you know a moment of the action was captured. But we also have to think realistically here. I would have rather have just seen that dude standing there pointing his pistol or something. But that's just me. yeah. I agree with that. And I I also think that, you know, if we look at AMG and we stood here going, this is our first real complaint, really, is Rope Dude. We've kind of been spoiled with sculpts. Oh, so absolutely. I'm not, I'm not going to be too hard on them, but I do wish they'd maybe done something else with it. Yep, and at least Nick Fury looks like a badass, so there's that. Exactly, he more than makes up for it. Exactly. So now let's talk about Nick Fury's card. And we'll kind of go in the normal normal way here. And, and go down the card, and first up, we have Nick Fury, and it's Nicholas J. Fury. So, if we do get another version of Nick Fury, it we probably wouldn't be able to have both of them, because they're both going to probably have Nick Fury as the name. Like, the alter ego thing isn't as important now, so you could, in a roster, when you're building a roster, you can have both versions of Doctor Strange, but you can't have, like, two of the same Doctor Strange, you know what I mean? So, like, you can have Strange Supreme and regular Doctor Strange, but I couldn't have, like, regular Doctor Strange and then Doctor Strange with the Soul Stone. I had to commit to, you know, which version of that character I want to have in my roster. So, it'd be interesting to see if they ever come out with another Nick Fury and see what happens here. So, with that, uh, John, do you want to go over his top stat line there? With great pleasure. So... On his healthy side, he has a health pool of six, a medium move. He's size two, and he's four threat. He has a physical defense of four, an energy defense of three, and a mystic defense of four. Interesting. That makes a lot of sense. And uh, does anything change on his injured side? 
Yeah, so his health on his injured side drops down by one total point to go to five, but everything else remains exactly the same. Awesome. So that's a pretty good stat line. I like the 4-3-4 as a kind of basic stat line there. I think four physical defense, like the difference between three and four isn't huge, but for whatever reason, the mental aspect of having a four defense versus a three, I think just it really hits home for me. Yeah, I think it's nice to see him with kind of a higher pool in some areas. I think his physical defense will help on some of the secures because we know we've got Mutant Madmen, which is a physical defense. So him having four on there is quite nice because it gives him that extra opportunity to steal it off somebody else while they're contesting. Um, his Mystic, given the amount of Mystic attacks we've seen over the last six to nine months with Convocation and Magic arriving and everybody else, mm-hmm. I think puts him in an exceptionally nice place to see some tabletop play just from that stat line without looking at the rest, to be honest. Absolutely. Aaron, what do you think about that? I mean, any, anything stand out to you? I mean, it's pretty pretty basic stat line, but... Yeah, so it, it's pretty... Um, not a standard, because it is a little bit better than what we usually get, but it's pretty straightforward what his stats are. Quite interestingly, it seems the game's shifting to a point where previously Mystic was the sort of best damage to have access to, because it was the weakest defense, but now I actually think it it's shifted over to energy a little bit. Yeah. Um, Nick obviously has that himself. He only has free energy defense. I think if we look at some of the other models that we've had lately and some of the newer releases, it, it does seem to be the trend that maybe energy is the type of attack you need to be invested in. Oh, definitely, yeah. So a while back, there was you could do the math on it in terms of total defense in the game, and energy was the lowest, even though Mystic seemed like it was. But... It is, I think, now more prevalent than ever of just how important it is to have at least someone on your squad that's going to be able to throw some energy attacks out there. Because not only for, for in an instance like this, right? Like three energy defense is perfectly fine. That's average. Expect one success. Maybe you have cover kind of situation, right? Like, I don't know how the math works on that, but I would generally ex- expect at least one success. And then if I try to have cover, there you go. Good time. But having the energy attacks on your squad I think are really valuable for when you run into characters like a Venom, like you know Rocket, or some of these other characters that have these lower energy defenses and stuff like that. So just a you know, little food for thought in your roster building bank there. And now, Aaron, would you like to talk about his attacks? Yes, yeah, so we'll start with the first one, which is uh, the Fury Special. So this is a range-free, five-dose physical attack. After the attack is resolved, Fury gets one power. Um, and on the trigger of a wild, you get Pierce. So you get to change one of the defending characters of a crit wild or a block results to a blank. Nice, nice. I love this. I love that he has an attack that just straight gains him one power. It, it makes him very efficient in the sense that he you, you can definitely calculate what he's going to be able to do very precisely because you're not wagering on... I might get one power, I might get two, or I might get nothing, and then I have to compensate for that. The fact that he gets one given power, it's it's going to make him very consistent. Exactly. I really like that. And then the Wild Pierce is one of those that I've played a good bit of games lately against characters that have the Pierce, and it's one of those things that we've seen it for a while now, and I feel like it's really starting to stand out to me as just so valuable. Because it's, you know, someone as a Web Warriors player myself, you know, I'm 
pretty consistent on defense. That's kind of where I make my my living is to try to survive things that most other models wouldn't survive, getting the rerolls, all that stuff. But when you have a character that has Pierce, like me as the Web Warriors player, I'm doing all my rerolls, and then Pierce is happening. So it's kind of one of those one of those interesting things I think in this game that I really enjoy, but it's also like a little game within the game of, of trying to find those different effects. And Pierce is one that I think is really strong. Pierce combined with the fact that we're seeing Incinerate pop up a lot more. If, if you get a list where you can sort of incorporate working those two abilities together, it's absolutely devastating for your opponent just because you're really, really putting a ceiling on how many, how, how much incoming damage they can physically block. Because if you're reducing by one and the Pierce, Suddenly, on average, I don't think they block anything on a, on a standard free defense starts. Yeah, Ooh, that sounds like a nightmare, but also super exciting. <laughs> John, do you have any thoughts on this attack? Yeah, I I like the attack. I think range three is nice. Um, it means that he doesn't have to get right up into the action if he doesn't wish to. Um, Pierce, I think, as you say, we've seen it for ages, and I think it's been one of those like sleeper hits. If you play with characters that have Pierce, you kind of really realize how good it is if you come up against somebody with pierce every now and again you're like oh that's a bit annoying but when you consistently play it you realize that it is easily one of the best triggers i would suggest if you're looking to take characters out oh yeah uh, I'm, I'm with you there <laughs> the golden example from the earlier days of the game was killmonger, killmonger. Yeah. so him running around with pierce was an absolute menace with his uh with his kill counter tokens with his well. bill learning his kill counter pierce really made the difference sometimes and that's Back when Pierce shone the most, I think. I, I think we are going to see a surge in it just because we've got more characters coming out with it again. And we also have a lot of high defense characters coming out. So Pierce is really important for, you know, chewing through that. Absolutely. So what's the next attack? So his next attack is Tactical Knife. So this is a range two, five dice physical attack as well that costs zero power. Um, after this attack is resolved, you get power equal to the damage that you dealt. On the on the trigger of world, you get two uh, special rules. First of all, we get bleed. So after the attack is resolved, the target character gains the bleed special condition, and then you also get pierce again on this attack, which is changing one of the defending characters' uh, block dice to a blank. I love it. I, I just there's nothing more to say than I think this is really cool and creates a versatile character. He's got the range three attack where he can gain one power, or if you feel confident in your dice, get up in there and gain a lot of extra power. Yeah, I think it's a nice combo of powers. He can sit at a distance until somebody comes in or until he needs to run up and do something, and then he's going to go all stabby-stabby with his tactical knife rather than tactical rock, and he's going to do some piercing damage. Yeah, I think it's good. Aaron, what do you think of this? So I think this really gives him an answer to things like martial prowess, um, range 2 martial artist, basically anything that triggers within range 2, because you now have the option to go actually... I'll stand a bit back and still have the same offensive output. You might not be giving the bleed out, but you, you don't have to worry about the fact that, oh, I'll come across, say, Callbox Black Widow, who I believe gets uh, blanks within two. Yeah. Fury can sort of play around that and has the option to not have to go up against that, which is nice. He lets him skirt about away from his target a little. And then on the same, um, at the same time, if his opponent decides to run up within range two of him, he gets a little added bonus of, now he can choose whether to give them bleed. Um, if he doesn't need the power, he can, you know, maybe roll the dice and end up with a few more power rather than just using the one uh, power gaining attack. Because he does have the option to do both, even at range two. So I think it gives him a lot of options with what he can do and means that there's lots of different scenarios where you'll be weighing up both of them rather than just having one that's an automatic go-to, which is important. 
Yeah, I, I think versatility is kind of the name of Nick Fury's game here so far. And the interesting thing about it as we go through his card here, he doesn't really have a ton to spend power on. He doesn't seem like a very power-hungry character. And I think more often than not, this next attack is what you're going to be doing well, more often than not. I was That was bad English, but whatever. And uh, so... Yeah, Aaron, I've been just to get a sentence together properly. Yeah, you know, I'm, just, I'm not good at it. Yeah, You guys invented the language. We just kind of bastardized it. You know, it's cool. <laughs> it's still early for you as well, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's still early. <laughs> so, Aaron, this next attack is the one that I'm most excited to discuss here because the first two versatile, you know, kind of standard attacks, more or less. What's the next one? So his third and final attack is lead from the front. This is what you could call his spender. It's the only one that costs any power. Free power. So it's a range free attack. It is physical again. However, this time he rolls seven dice. And you have an automatic special rule built into this attack. Um, that special rule is, after this attack is resolved, an allied shield agent's character within three of this character may advance more towards the target character. Then the shield agent's character might make a pistols attack targeting that character. So what, what this does is basically... Nick gets to line up a shot against his target, and then he gets to call in the backup from the boys who just step forward and also put another four-dice attack into the target, which, you know, is quite good. It's like a mini rapid fire on the back of the attack if you have the shield agent out. Yeah, I, I like this attack. I think that when you're rolling seven dice into a character, depending on the character, like if I'm rolling seven dice into, let's say, Juggernaut, yeah, sure, I'm not taking him down. So the unless he's pretty damaged already. So then the shield agent attack will be really nice there. But if I'm rolling seven dice into someone, uh, let's let's say um, Iron Man, right? Like, let's just go with Iron Man. So I'm rolling seven dice into Iron Man. He's got the damage reduction, but I feel pretty confident that I'm going to do a, a ton of damage there, especially if he's already got some damage on him in with those dice. Or maybe Iron Man's a bad example. And um, magic. Just a standard free physical defense character, I think, what, what you're looking for, isn't it? Just if you're doing this into a, into any average character that doesn't have any means of mitigating it a little, you, you're going to push through some damage on Exactly. That's what I was trying to say, but I was trying to be more clever with it. Thank you, Aaron. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, if I think that what I'm getting at, though, is seven dice is not the, like, you're going to nuke this character off the board amount of dice, but it's also likely that you're going to do a spike damage the more dice you roll. So I like this attack. I think it's really interesting and really cool. And if nothing else, I think the more interesting aspect if is that you get to move the shield agents short. Like even if you daze the other character, the shield agents still get to move, which I think is really nice. And... It's one of those things that once we get into kind of what they do, it can set up a few more interesting interactions and stuff like that. So I don't think it's so much about the fact of the four dice attack. Like if you're going after a big target, this is a physical attack. The pistols attack that we're going to talk about with the shield agents, physical attack. So that's the highest general defense in the game. So pushing through that damage sometimes is a little bit tough. But I do think that if you're targeting the right kind of character with something like this, you can expect to do a pretty good bit of damage. And if Nick Fury doesn't finish him off, then maybe the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents are able to come in and clean him up a little bit. Yeah, and that's how I'm looking at it. I think it's it's a nice attack in and of its own right. 
but I'm more intrigued in the kind of jank and stuff I could work out with that free short movement from the shield agents than I am their follow-up attack. I think once we get onto those, there's some potential play with just that short move from that attack alone, never mind the four-dice attack that is like a nice little added bonus. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it is important to note here that the shield agents have to move toward the target character. So you do have to kind of think about that cone of movement when you're there, but it is an advance, so that's kind of less limiting than things like a push and whatnot. So keep that in mind. Yeah, the only other thing I wanted to say with this attack was actually that I am a little bit disappointed that it doesn't have an alternative special rule for if the shield agent isn't out, just because it, it would have added a little little element of here's the reason you might not bring out the shield agent because you get this instead. So I think if we'd have had a nice little condition, nothing you know, nothing crazy. I just think that would have been something cool that we could have seen. Obviously, I'm still really happy with what we got. I think it works thematically, and I think it makes sense with what the attack's meant to be doing. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's one of the interesting things about talking about Nick Fury and the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents and these grunt situation is the, the different ways that they're going to be interacting on the board. And, like, you know, these S.H.I.E.L.D. agents are characters on the board that can be KO'd. So having different ways to put them out and having Nick Fury be useful even without them on the board I think is important. And this is one of the things that I talked about, again, I referenced last week's episode of, you know, is Nick Fury, once we get into his superpowers and everything, is he a four-threat character on his own without the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents? Or is it a, he has to have the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents to feel like you're getting that four-threat? And, and that's a question I want to keep in mind as we talk about this character and the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent's character, and I want to come back to it kind of at the end once we're kind of get going over everything. So you should keep that in mind. Yeah, I think that'll be a good discussion to have after this, to be honest. Absolutely. So now let's go ahead and talk about his superpowers. And, of course, Nick Fury is a leader. He is the leader of the new affiliation S.H.I.E.L.D., his leadership is called Last Line of Defense. And this, I think, is pretty spicy, and I really like this. Yeah, if, pretty spicy is an undersell, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's good. It's, it's good. definitely a, a hot chili pepper. If you have fewer VPs, so victory points, than your opponent, the first time each round an allied character is dazed or KO'd, by an enemy effect, after the effect is resolved, you score one victory point. Yes, there's more, though. Like, right off the rip. That is awesome. Yeah, that would have been enough. I'm fairly sure of that. Yeah. If you have an equal number or more VPs than your opponent, when an enemy character damages an allied character with an attack the allied character may spend one power. If it does, after the attack is resolved, the allied character may advance short toward the attacking character. Now, before we get into how interesting all of this is, the timing of when you spend that power. So you get damaged and can spend the power from the damage right away. Like, So if you're sitting there with no power and you're wanting to advance short, you're going to be able to do that. That is correct. So if we look at kind of like the attack sequence step, right down in 13A, the defending character suffers damage from the attack. They can only take damage equal to its remaining stamina. 
and then the target character gains an amount of power equal to the amount of damage suffered in the same step. So it does appear, as per rules, that you would take the damage, apply the power, and you could then spend on Nick Fury's leadership for the move. Nice. I really like that. I think that that is an important part of kind of getting this character to function a little bit because there's a lot of things, I think, strategy-wise where a short move... I mean, we've seen things like you know Sam Wilson's leadership, how important that short move can be for either being more aggressive or retreating a little bit, being defensive. If nothing else, being able to get back onto a point after being pushed off of it. So, uh, yeah, the other thing I was going to say is just in terms of the timing, my initial thought was actually that it'd be like Kingpin's, where Kingpin, if he has no power, can't reduce the damage. However, as we've checked, the timing is slightly different, so it does work in the way that John's explained, which I think is really interesting because um, if turn one, for example, you move on to a point and your opponent plans to attack you to push you off it, you're going to be able to use this straight away, straight off the bat. Exactly. So I, I really like that quite a bit. And it's one of those things where you mentioned Kingpins. So Kingpins is like, if he would suffer damage, that's when this happens. This is, you know, straight up when you're damaged. Now, the interesting thing about this, I think another little note that I think might not come through right away, it's only when your opponent damages you with an attack. It's specifically an attack. So things like throws superpowers, you know, uh, counterattack or or different things, martial prowess, like we mentioned before, those kind of things won't trigger this. It's only when you're damaged by an attack that you will get to do this, which I think is fair, although I wish it was from throws too, but that is what it is. <laughs> yeah, to clarify as well, because you said counterattack then, uh, what I think you meant by counterattack is a superpower rather than an actual counterattack, isn't it? Because it would work in Correct. that situation. Correct, the superpower counterattack like Baron Zemo has. Yeah, yeah. I'm interested to see how it works with somebody like Crossbones or She-Hulk or Sabretooth with their like aggressive abilities. If oh, we put yeah. them in there, do they do they get to spend a power to move short under his leadership and then move short again? Wow, yeah. I mean, I would think so because they're they're stack. I mean, they're stacking abilities, so they're different named abilities. So yeah, that's what I, I'm just having. I had a thought about that yesterday and thought, well, actually, Crossbones is I'm gonna move super fast if we stick him under Sabretooth as well. Sabretooth will be an absolute <laughs> menace. Yeah, yeah, wow, I really like that. I didn't think about those two, those, those are good catches. Yeah, I really like that. That sounds like a lot of fun. So, all in all, this leadership here, just let's kind of circle back a little bit here. This is a pretty amazing leadership. Let's go back to that first paragraph before we get into the rest of these superpowers and. If you have fewer victory points than your opponent, the first time each round, an allied character is dazed or KO'd by an enemy effect. So an enemy effect, anything that dazes or KO's you, after the effect is resolved, you score a victory point. I think that's really wonderful in that, like, now all of a sudden you don't have to worry as hard about playing catch-up. If you're down early, like... Uh, I know we've we've all played plenty of games here, and it's always been like, okay, I'm down by one at the start of round two. You know, I don't have to go for that middle extract to feel like I can make a comeback here. Is that how you you take it, Aaron? So I actually looked at this as it might create a situation where it's it, it's a little bit. I don't think the word's overbearing. It's a little bit much for the opponent if you manage to get the right kind of mission. So. 
So say, for example, you're playing Skrulls in Demons Downtown. Uh, say me and you are playing that, Will, and you, I have the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. Even if you find the Skrull and hold one of the uh, demons, as long as I hold on to the other demons downtown, if you die okay, over my models, I instantly get back to the victory points that you're on. So it, it makes it very hard to play against, I think, just because there's no real way of taking a, a lead against this kind of um, leadership in those low-scoring games, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's one of those things, I think it makes perfect sense what you're getting at, It where the the slower scoring crises are still impactful but you can try to slowly chip away at that lead i think is is the nice thing about it and even on the the faster scoring ones like i'm thinking like you know cube fragments and some other secure that you know is a little faster scoring it allows you to to feel like you can come back yeah i, I think it's good in those scenarios but as i said in in those scenarios where it's already quite close anyway i think that's where it'll really show in just because it essentially negates the fact that you're you're, you're at a disadvantage if if overall your opponent's only scoring one above you they're not really scoring anything above you unless it's the end of the game where and they're going to 16 so it, it makes it very sort of walking on a tightrope for you and your opponent because it will keep you neck and neck throughout that game absolutely and i think also a, a part of it is it's a deterrent in a way in a way not significantly because you're still going to be dazing characters. You're still going to be fighting, attacking, all that stuff. But it's like, okay, if you daze me right here, well, we're going to be even on victory points now. And this is my big turn to clap back, and maybe I'm going to take a big lead now that you've done this. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's what it does really well is it allows you to hang in there when otherwise it might be difficult and play for that swing, whereas sometimes you're rolling dice and hoping for the swing. I think Agents of Shields gives you more opportunity to be like, okay, if I can keep it close... I can eventually get that swing and kind of run away with it towards the end, which will be interesting to see. Yeah, exactly. And I do like the fact that this leadership is kind of victory point based because since Black Order, we haven't really had one that's victory point based. And I like that it's got two separate effects. Like, okay, if if you've got more, here you go. If you've got less, here you go. Two different things. So uh, I'm excited to see how this works. And this is a, a leadership that... I think pretty much anyone is going to to want to be in. Like, uh, I I don't think there's a character that I could sit here and say it's like, well, yeah, no, nah, don't put that character in shield because they don't get any benefit from it. I mean, it, this is one of those like kind of umbrella type of of leadership abilities. I think. Yeah, I agree. I like it. I'm intrigued as to how grunts work. I want to know if grunts count as allied characters or are they specifically grunts? And I guess that's what the rulebook text is for. Um, because I think if we start looking at KOing grunts as an allied character, that leadership that is already exceptionally good potentially becomes even better. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And speaking of grunts, let's go now and talk about his next superpower. It is an active superpower, so it has to be on his turn. And it'll cost you two power. Call in the cavalry. If there is no allied shield agent's character in play, place it in play within range three of this character with an activated token. It may immediately interact with one extract objective token. It is part of your squad. This is interesting because 
the shield agents come into play with an activated token. So they can't do anything on the turn when they're put in. And I keep burying the lead a little bit. I'm going to do it a little more here. These guys are pretty squishy. So having them come in and not be able to do anything, I think is pretty interesting. I don't know if it's good, bad, neutral, but it's interesting. And uh, what are your thoughts, Aaron? So I actually think this superpower is a little bit bonkers. Why Just is that? because of the distance that you're going to be able to grab something from with this. Because you, I'm pretty sure you've got the range free ruler plus the width of a medium base and plus the interact within one. Mm-hmm. So you're essentially, if there's a, if there is a objective token within four of Fury, I think you'll be able to use this superpower to grab it. Yes, like you said, the grunts come in activated, but it's pretty bonkers when you, uh, as you said about varying the lead, I think the, with the context of once we've talked about the grunts as well, it becomes even more bonkers. So I think it's definitely going to be very interesting to open up some very, very janky plays early on. Yeah, that's the interesting thing that I see with this is is like what kind of, of jank is this going to open up? And it's one of those things where, like you said, Thinking about how much distance you get out of this superpower is is where things are going to open up for you. And, you know, John, I want to get your thoughts on it before I keep going. Yeah, I think it opens up some real nice play. Um, I know AMG appear to be moving away from turn one plays. I think Nick Fury with his grunts has got some for grabbing objectives and things like that. I think this superpower makes that perfectly obvious with the right setup. There are easily ways to do it. Um I think them coming in activated is nice, but the fact that they come in activated but can still interact yeah. with an objective token seems a little bit odd. I know it prevents them potentially making an attack, but they're coming in activated, but they can still steal an objective and then you're still forced to deal with them like they had an activation. So I'm a little bit torn on it. I'd like to see it on the tabletop, I think, before I decide, yes, I think it's great. Oh, I don't really like it, but I do think it's interesting. Yeah, I think that this is all a really interesting thing, and I think you really get, bring up some good points there. And let's talk about his last superpower, then let's talk about the grunts, and then we can kind of put it all together and see see what we have here. So his last superpower is an innate superpower called Director of Shield. When an allied Shield Agents character is within range three of this character, it may re-roll one of its attack or defense dice. And this character gains one power whenever the allied character deals damage or suffers damage from an enemy effect. That's really nice. I really like the synergy that creates with the shield agents, kind of going back to that question I said that I want to keep in the back of our mind of kind of how Fury's going to function. And whether or not he's going to be intrinsically tied, his value is going to be tied to how much value you're getting out of the shield agents, which is, uh, again, I'm not going to answer that question right now, but I think that that's, this paints a little bit more of that picture for us. And that's all that his superpowers that he has. So he only has two things to spend power on, and it's call in the cavalry and lead from the front. So I don't see Fury as being very power-hungry at all, and if anything... Some of those 10 tactics cards are going to be funded by Nicholas J here. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think he's got huge ways to dump his power. 
depending on, I mean, even if his shield agents don't last very long, it's only two power to get him back. It's not a huge amount when you look at how he's going to be gaining it. I think some of the tactics cards are really likely to be played by Fury, Fury and Fury again, based on the way he should be gaining power throughout the game. Yep, exactly. So, Aaron, what do you think about that? About the director of shield superpower? Yeah, and just kind of how the synergy is is created there. I I think the synergy is good in the sense that it, it works well mechanically. Automatically, I don't like it because you've got a grunt rolling four dice with a re-roll, which is better than some of the attacks of actual superheroes in the game. It, it, it's a bit weird, but I'm sure it's been tested. I'm sure we'll see how that plays out. I think it, it might create a couple of feel-bad moments just because you'll have a big spike from a grunt with a re-roll and suddenly they've taken out a superhero so i think mechanically it works fine in terms of the synergy it works well thematically i'm not entirely so sure okay so let's now talk shield agents real quick this will be fast and uh john you want to start with that top stat line i love a good top stat line so shield agents they have a total health pool which is going to amaze everybody of two (laughs) they have a medium move and despite there being three of them they are size two. They have a physical defense of one, an energy defense of one, and a mystic defense of one, officially making them worse than Carnage. Officially worse than Carnage, yeah. So pretty low stats there. It is important to note they are on a medium base or a 50 millimeter base, so that medium move is pretty good. Yeah, I think the medium move is pretty good. I think their place within three of Fury on that big base, as we spoke about, is wonderful. I like that their health pool is low because that means that if you do need to take them out or you want to take them out, they should go fairly easily. Um, Their defense dices being one across the board makes perfect sense. We don't want them sticking around too long and causing too many troubles for heroes. Um, But they've still got the potential to cause some trouble should you have a bad attack dice roll and they have a crit followed by another success on two health they could survive an attack so there's a chance they could do what shield agents do and just ride out the storm and still be there a little bit longer yeah we don't want to see that happen aaron what about attacks so they only have one attack and it is a pistols attack and it's a range free four dice physical attack that costs no power yeah pretty basic attack there but uh Factor in Nick Fury's re-rolls and things get a little interesting. Yeah, that's, again, like I said, that, that's where it becomes a little iffy for me. Yeah, four dice. Four dice is one of those things that I have a very bad history with four dice attacks of not doing jack with them. So I know other people, though, tend to have a little more success. But, uh, yeah, I could see this as being problematic, especially uh, as some stuff we're going to talk about in a few minutes that you can maybe potentially get this a little higher. So next up, we have some superpowers. They are all innate superpowers. The first one, buy you time. When this character drops an objective token, its controlling player places it on the battlefield instead of their opponent. I love this. I love this. I love this. I love this. So many times I've been like, oh man, I just... You know, I'm trying to hope I stay alive because I need to hold on to this objective or I just wish that there was some way for me to place this objective, not my opponent. And and here we go. 
get an objective onto a shield agent, and they get to, you get to determine where that is placed once they drop it. So I love that. And next up, we have shield operatives. This character cannot contest secure objective tokens. This character does not have to pay power when interacting with civilian or asset tokens. And then last is Grunts, Nick Fury, and that just tells you who all can use these characters. And the shield operative one is very interesting because it says they do not have to pay power when interacting with civilian or asset tokens. Those are extract tokens. And as we know from the previous panel to play, shield agents cannot gain power in the first place. So having this nice little bit of rules text here makes a lot of sense. So all those superpowers combine to form what in your mind, Aaron? I think Boyu Time is absolutely insane. I think it's so, so strong. Um, I am surprised to see it on the grunts. Just talking to John about some of the things you can do with this, some of the janky plays where Fury places them within three, they grab the point, and then they have the point, and if you try and take it off them, they get to place it. it the first thing that I thought of was hired muscle. So it, it reminds me of hard muscle in sort of the way that it operates a little bit. And I don't know if that's a good thing. And I, I think it's definitely strong for the agent to shield player, but I think for the opponent, it's going to be very, very, very difficult to play against. So especially turn one. Yeah, I, I can see that being a problem. I mean, it's one of those things that I still think we don't fully have all the information yet on how these guys are going to work because like you know we're talking about turn one stuff right like that's kind of been a thing that amg's tried to move away from right so there's an idea of somehow get nick fury to power get him up the board and then boom call these guys in and they do the thing right that's that's what you're talking about but we also don't know if these guys even start on the board or not you know we don't know if they deploy like a normal model or if the only way to bring them in is with this superpower. If they deploy like a normal model and they're standing on your starting line, is that as problematic for you? Um, I think it is, because you still have the same scenario where the grunt activates in Fury's activation. I mean, a double medium move with a medium base is going to get you to where you need to be, and then you are in the same scenario where you've interacted with a point, you're now holding it, and if your opponent tries today is you well it ends up back closer to the rest of your team it, it, it again like you said i might be being a little bit skeptical um i might be being a little bit worried but we do need to see how it operates how it works and see it in in play to know exactly how impactful that's going to be right yeah uh john what about you i think it's a really great superpower if you play with fury and the shield agents um I worry a little bit because the shield agents, I assume, if we're if we're to look at it like this, are only going to be taken to grab an extract. And I think if you can guarantee that whatever extract you grab with your shield agents, you get to place within two closer to one of your characters. I think it could be slightly problematic um, because it gives your opponent the question of, okay, do I kill these shield agents knowing full well they're going to drop that objective closer to another character? that may well be a healthy Hulk who's going to pick it up and then I've got a real problem trying to get it off him? Or do I just ignore the shield agents and then they're scoring VPs every turn 
because I don't want them to pass that to Hulk because that becomes... I, I don't know. I think it, it gives you a, an interesting scenario to try and run through, but I also think it gives you, like, a I don't know if I can get that back at any point well, from them. I think for me, the main thing, Will, is that you look at the vast majority of the characters in the game and they are characters with two actions that don't have access to other ways of moving. Mm-hmm. So unless they start within range of that shield agent to do one of their attacks, for example... If, if they're having to move and attack the shield agent, even if they're dazed them, they're not getting the point and then it's your opponent's activation and they get it back. So it's going to be hard to take anything off these guys. Not in the sense of getting it off them, but in the sense that you daze them and then all that happens is they drop it and their controller activates straight away and picks it back up. I think that's going to be really difficult to play around. It may come down to a case of your last activation has to be to damage your shield agent so that another one of their characters yeah. can't pick up that objective this turn. But then you know full well they're potentially going to pick it up at the start of the next activation. Yeah. And they may well activate Fury first, who calls his grunts back in, and they go, thanks, that's still ours again. I I don't know. I want to see it play out, and I want to see the rules text, but it seems strong on what we're calling and what AMG are calling grunt characters. Yeah, As- assuming that these guys can hold the single extracts like the alien ship and the scroll as well. I think that scenario where they grab it and then you're forced to daze them and it gets placed back towards the agent shield players' characters, that's going to be really difficult to play against, I think. I mean, this is all obviously in theory, but we have some idea of the fundamental way that this is going to operate. And as I said, you, you will be able to do these janky plays where your opponent dazes a model and then you just pick it up with your next activation because that's just how the order of the game works. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's where I see things happening. And and you brought up hired muscle. And that was something that if you weren't around for that quote unquote meta of Marvel Christ Protocol, be thankful because it definitely was one that AMG acted swiftly on because there was some broken play around that. So we're not going to get into what all that was, but just realize that it allowed you to place a extract objective closer to your team at the start of the game right off the rip. So it could make for some pretty bad plays. Now, with this, this is a little different, I think, in that it's not quite as much distance as what that was in terms of placing an objective. I don't remember exactly. I had to pull up hired muscle. But either way, I do think that this is something that is going to be tough to play around. And, John, to your point, knowing that you have to play around it, right? Like, okay, yeah. I the shield agents have that token, Therefore, I don't need to worry about them right now. Let me do other stuff, and I'll go get those guys later and see if I can put myself in a better position to go and get them. And it's one of those things where if Fury's able to get the power and just drop these guys down right away, well, then, you know, it's just... It it creates a lot of interesting decision points for an opponent, which I think is ultimately a good thing, but we'll have to see kind of how it plays out in practice. The thing that concerns me and I would say worries me about it is that the possibility for the grab-and-go style plays, right? Yep. Like, you know, if you've got someone like a Gwen who is on your shield squad, even just a, a regular Black Widow, you know, like the the two-threat version, all of a sudden your grunts drop this, she activates, grabs whatever tokens they had, and then just runs away long and has stealth, and you're never going to get her for the rest of the game. I think it's interesting that you mentioned Gwen as well, just because assuming that you can use Lifesaver when a grunt yeah. is targeted, 
you, you that's going to be brutal because the grunt's picking up the objective. You're then pulling them small on a medium base away. And then if they're still in range and get dazed, you're placing it within two. So I think that's going to be a bonkers play that we'll see. Absolutely. And and that's why I brought her up was because that there's that aspect of it too. And just yeah. in general, the, the grab and go strategy, like it's one that I don't particularly like. It's a part of the game. Sure. You know, yada, yada. I get that. It, it's just, I think it goes somewhat in the spirit of the game. Now, again, play whatever game you want. Play however you want to play. I'm not telling you how to play the game. It's fine. I will not even be salty if you play that way against me. That's that's not what I'm saying here. I'm just saying it's just all I'm saying is that it's just not how I like the th- to play, and I think that that's how AMG generally has been trying to move away from that kind of thing. But we've I all think- played that game where we grab an objective and then run away at the end to score the last few points. Perfectly reasonable. Yeah, I think everyone can acknowledge that although it is a valid tactic, although it is a tactic that people will use, even the people using it know that it is a little bit of a feel-bad moment. I myself, obviously, I've got Black Cat in my roster. There are times where Black Cat will grappling hook, steal a hammer or even steal two hammers and then double long move away. And in that situation, there isn't much your opponent can do to get those hammers back. And as you've said, this might encourage that just because you'll be able to do it with most long move characters rather than just Black Cat. Then. Exactly, exactly. And now let's talk about kind of the shield agents and how you know, it's going to be a bit of a feels bad, I think, in terms of if they have an extract, you know your opponent gets to place it if you're attacking into them, and you're just kind of, like, they're just kind of there, and you're attacking a character. Like, I know a lot of people feel like attacking a two-threat character with a four-threat character isn't valuable, but I kind of disagree with that a lot of the time. Like, I think getting activations off the board ultimately is valuable, but... I see the argument, right? I don't want to use my five-threat Scarlet Witch to take out a, a two-threat whomever, right? like a two-threat Nebula. Like That doesn't feel good, but at the same time, it is what it is. Sometimes that might be the optimal play. And I think that this is an example where it's going to feel bad as the opponent uh, of the shield agents to quote-unquote waste time on the shield agents, but I think that that is buy you time. I mean, it's literally in their superpower list here, and I think that's kind of the point. But I also, again, I think that's kind of a feels bad thing, and and this gets into the broader thing. There's still stuff we don't know about grunts and shield agents, and do I think as a shield player, like if I'm going to play a shield team, you know, we don't know what affiliation, we don't know anything like this. Does this sound fun? Yeah, probably. But overall, this this whole thing is I'm like I'm just I'm just I, I do the, I do one of these like you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think and that's kind of where I'm at. Originally I was adamantly against it. Then I've seen this and I think it's allayed some of my initial fears, but I still have concerns as we've discussed. But I'm hopeful that once we get a full text drop they clarify some of these things like, you know, can we get a shield agent holding two hammers and rolling six dice with a reroll? Or can they not do that? I, there, there are those kinds of things that I want to know before I go, okay, it's fine. Or, oh God, I don't really want to come across these grunts on the other side of the table. Um, and until we get that document, I guess we're kind of sat here speculating. Yeah, exactly. And and that's, that's where I am with this is like this – 
is probably going to be okay, but there's definitely jank that's going to be unlocked as people get more and more games in with it. I mean, you know, that's the thing. Like, we're sitting here Monday night quarterbacking this without even knowing what the games look like with these characters on the board. And after you have the entire community of MCP out here playing games with this, there's something that's going to unlock with it at some point, I think. But, you know, for me, I look at this and I see, I see two things. One, the shield agents are a power battery for your opponent because I need two power. I'm going after shield agents because they're going to die and I can more than likely gain two power with my little four dice attack. More than likely. Now, granted, you know, bad dice are going to dice. It happens. But I see these guys as a power battery. As long as they don't have an objective, anytime they're on the board, I'm trying to get them off the board because I think they really hurt what Nick Fury does. Here comes that question again. They really hurt what Nick Fury does if they're not on the table. Now, Aaron, what do you feel about that? So, I think... At least for me, it's safe to say that without the grunts, Nick Fury is not a four-threat character. I think he's going to be very heavily carried by the strength of his leadership and by the utility of the grunts. Because, in essence, without the grunts, Nick has no superpowers at all. Um, His two builders as such are okay, but his spender is just a $7 stack with no special rules. So you take the grunts away and you are left with a very, very bare-bones character that mm-hmm. doesn't do a lot, again, other than his leadership. So I think Nick's going to be carried, like I said, on one arm by his leadership and on the other arm by the grunts. Yeah. John, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I think Aaron's hit the nail on the head. I think I think he's okay. With the grunts, I think he's got some play. I think without the grunts, I don't think anybody would take him as a four-threat splashing. I think if you were looking to splash him into affiliation with no grunts, I don't think Nick Fury would see a great deal of play out of his own affiliation. Um, his affiliation, as we've spoken about, is great. I think his VP control and manipulation is amazing. But he does rely on the grunts and how they may work or may not work. And, I mean, as we said, he gets 10 tactics cards coming in his box. With him being a little bit of a power battery himself, maybe some of those give him access to other things, which is why he hasn't got his superpowers. But based on what we've seen, he's not a four-threat character without the additionality of the grunts. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that's okay to say, to look at it in that perspective. And, and we can look at this and say to ourselves, like, okay, well, he has the grunts. He will never not have the grunts. So... How is he a four-threat character? How is he on the battlefield with those grunts? And I do think that when we look at everything that he does, everything these grunts do, it's all going to come down to extracts. And if you are sitting across the table from your opponent and and they have shield and you win priority, well, the extract consideration at that point I think is is very, very real. Like if I'm a Web Warriors player... I want my secures so that I can try to try to get that D shape maybe, right? Or 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 whatever. Like I tend to like to control the secures over the extracts no matter what I'm playing more often than not. But that Crimson, is what it is. But yeah, Crimson, who are infamous for, you know, they win priority, they they're taking the secures because that's the biggest strength they have. You're talking about uh, gonna criminal syndicate? Did you Sorry? did you say criminal syndicate there? Criminal syndicate. Yeah. 
So exactly. But now you have to consider the extract situation with these shield agents. I mean, if, if you take hammers and now all of a sudden you've got a shield agent with a hammer sitting there and do you take them out to get that hammer off of them? Because here's this piddly little character that all of a sudden is rolling a five dice attack on you. That doesn't feel Wait, good. <laughs> if Nick Fury's within three. So there's that. Yeah, I, I think it does open up some interesting kind of like selections in terms of crises and stuff. Um, and I think when you look at him as his whole package, he's a good package. He really is. And I think it does give whoever plays as potentially Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., depending on who's affiliated, um, a nice game plan. And it does really pose a question for whoever sits opposite you, both at the start of the game in terms of, well, what do I try and do now moving forward, knowing these grunts are there and they're probably coming out every turn if possible after turn two. Mm-hmm. And what do I do if they do pick up a hammer? Do I think about it now or do I wait and see if they pick up a hammer or do they have two cubes or how does it work? And I think it poses a lot of interesting questions before the game, but it poses some really interesting and potentially slightly more awkward questions as the game goes on if they're holding things. Absolutely. And I just, you know, all in all, I see this and... I, I still just wish there weren't any grunts or henchmen things. Like, I, I, it's terrible. I know. I know. And I am in that boat with you 110%, Will. Look, I'm, I'm um, giving my hot take. This is my hot, spicy take. No games played with this character, and we and we still don't even have the full rules and all of that stuff. And, and I want to go ahead and say, look, if you're excited about this, that's awesome. Like, I want everyone to play this game how they want to play it, and I don't want to... Like, uh, you're not wrong for being excited about this. Like, this is this is a cool new thing in the game, and it seems cool for the most part. But but as the slight competitive lean I've kind of gotten to as I've played this game more, this just does not. It doesn't send me, and I think it's entering a territory that I just don't want my crisis protocol to be in and that's just me that's a me thing and i hope that uh, if you're listening to this that that's that's what you're here for is to hear kind of my opinion as well as information and you know here it is i'm laying it on the line i i i do not like a henchman mechanic in crisis protocol i like superhero battles and this is an interesting way to bring such a thing into the game but at the end of the day, it's just this this doesn't sound like it's for me. No, I'm with you. I I like it. I think it's a cool mechanic. I like the fact that they've come up with another new mechanic. I think it could be highly entertaining. I will have no issue trying it out on like game nights and playing with it on game nights to see what we can do. Absolutely. I think adding Fury and his grunts into a couple of ultimate encounters might be interesting because there's some things they could possibly do there. The same with some of the organized play kits. But I do think, as you've said, when it starts to come to like kind of competitive play and maybe some potential tournament scenes and stuff, it might lead in the wrong way, particularly, and we don't know yet, whether you could have a roster that contains Fury and his agents and Daredevil slash Electro and their hand ninjas and just alternate between the two and do they do different things? Are they going to do similar things? Are they going to make a game really weird and really awkward? I, I don't know, but, you know... Full wall text is all I will keep going back to. Yeah. Until I yeah. have that full wall text, I'm going to sit on the fence of, I don't know, I'm not sure I like it, but I will wait and see. Ultimately, for me, I think the thing that will make or break the grunts is how they interact with other leaderships. 
how they interact if you put Nick in your, say, criminal syndicate or your X-Force or spider Foes. That's what's going to be the... That's what, for me, could potentially make them a huge problem or make all my worries be at ease. And yeah. I think, to echo what you said, Will, the most important thing is whether you like the grunts or you don't like the grunts or you love them or you don't like the idea. Um, it's important to remember some people are going to be really chuffed and really excited for this. Yeah. But on the same at the same time, we still need to acknowledge whether they create a problem for the game fundamentally in the way it's balanced. And I think exactly. that is ultimately the most important part. I mean, I'd love a Venom that just killed everyone. <laughs> Isn't that your Venom anyway? Yeah, but I'd love a Venom that was like rolling nine physical attack dice. But as always, I think the ultimate thing to acknowledge is how it affects the game as a whole. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it, there's just so much unknown right now. And yeah. And once we get more information, you know, we'll come back and, and have a conversation again. And real quick, because I, I want to kind of, kind of, I kind of want to leave it here for the most part. But yeah. real quick, what do you think Nick Fury has any play out of Shield affiliation? Just kind of hot take, quick reaction. Like, because yes. I, I think so too. And, uh, I think it, it's very weird and janky play. But I do think he does. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, hear me out, Suits. You're probably not going to surprise anyone here. I would so put Nick Fury in the Web Warriors with these little piddly characters and controlling the extract objectives. Like, come on. Yeah, so I think this is where we'll have some... I don't, I don't want to say problems, but I think the general style of Nick and his agents is going to encourage a sort of play style where you don't really interact with your opponent very much especially when you have him in his own affiliation and you're scoring VPs from your leadership if you're behind you're scoring VPs from the affiliated Black Widow you're messing with the extracts of the, the agents so uh, yeah I think Nick in, in these objective heavy lists like the Web Warriors or Criminal Syndicate it's going to be very very strong I think yeah, I think so too. I, I don't know why it is, but like I read this and I'm just like, yeah, I definitely want to put this guy in my Web Warriors more so than most other ones that I say I want in my Web Warriors. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think there is some really horrible junk that you could probably work into other lists with Nick Fury. Like, I mean, turn one, you can't do it, but if you send Nick Fury through limbo with magic, so he's moving three, then he's calling his grunts in three further away to interact with an objective. You know, the, there are some players that you're going to look at and they're going to see play and you're going to go, oh, what yeah. just happened? I mean, there's a few I've already <laughs> thought of that I won't list because I don't even know if they will work. But if they do work, it's not going to be great um, in those certain matchups where these agents can do really silly things. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned in uh, the journey through Limbo, this is just a whole other thing. Imagine playing demons with the shield agents they can yep. be incinerated, but you can never roll less than one die. So, yeah, like that—that's the thing. I was having a conversation with somebody about that earlier. Like, you just sit on demons downtown and you just send them up, and you go, "Well, they're not incinerated anyway, so they're yeah. fine." The certain conditions, like shock, is is going to be useful on them. Yeah. When you look at the majority of conditions, they don't really care about them. Because poison doesn't affect them, stun doesn't affect them, incinerate doesn't affect them. You know, I don't even know if stagger will. We don't even know. Yeah, we that. don't even know whether stagger 
(laughs) We need to see the full rules is what this comes down to. Yep. And with that, with that, I think that's where we're going to, we need to see the full rules, period. Show us the rules. Yes. Yeah, I think that, that's the best way to end this episode is we've we've got our hot takes, got our speculations, we've got our worries, but we need to see the entirety of their rules. Who exactly. in the community is closest to AMG headquarters? We just need them to go and like bang yeah. on the door. We, with like, we, we want grunt We need answers and we need them now. <laughs> we need them now, yes. Just get your picket line right and ready. And it's like, we need our answers. We need them now. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So with that, uh, Aaron, thank you so much for joining me. Where can people find you? So people can find me at the Web Warrior Protocols over on Facebook. My website is webwarriorprotocols.com. Um, I haven't been posting as much lately. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, I, I, I did have COVID. I had quite a few effects of the long COVID afterwards, which I won't go into. Um, I am starting to post a little more regularly. I do go to all of the events that I can get to. Um, and you can also find me on Instagram under the 14th Legion. Nice. John, uh, are, do you have a presence on the interwebs? I have a small presence on the interwebs. I am easily found in the most chillest Discord on the interwebs, the House Party Protocol Discord. Possibly one of the best Discords, may I add as well, just because of how relaxed and how open and friendly everyone is there. I appreciate that. That's awesome. Yes. Uh, yeah, we, we have some good conversations over there, and uh, John and Aaron are a part of that, and it's much appreciated. And I want to say to uh, the other suits out there that are uh, part of our Discord, thank you so much for making it that kind of an environment and everything. Like It really means a lot to me. It's nice to to pop in and, and chit-chat with everybody and, and have these good discussions that we have almost on a daily basis. I mean, it's just, it's always a good time. And if you're sitting there listening, wondering how you could be a part of the chillest MCP community that ever chilled, then uh, you can check out our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol. It is a dollar a month, so 12 bucks a year, and you can come in and hang out in our Discord, and we'll, we do giveaways every once in a while. Every now and again, I'll just do a random, like, hey, I'm feeling like a giveaway today. Drop in the Discord, and then we also are going to be having a giveaway coming up soon here. I think we're going to do this new X-Men wave, do a little juggernaut rogue gambit situation, so be on the lookout for that. And... Yeah, I think that's a, that's about it for now, and uh, hopefully we get some more rules. When do we want them? Now! Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, party on, Aaron. Party on, Will. Party on, John. Party on, Will. And power down suits. Suits.